into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford with you. And in for Glenn tonight, Danielle Donetta. Glenn, feel better soon. Jonah Story. We have a full, full studio here. Kennedy Kemp. We have Sam Fleming. Carter Cranford. Matt Fry. We have so many people in studio. We are ready for a big hockey show for you. And as always, as always, Calvin Smith behind the glass. Calvin, I'm... Man, he's ready. He he's already ready. ready. He's ready for this. So, Danielle, last night something happened. For the National Predators, that hasn't happened since mid-November. <laughs> they, they beat the Ottawa Senators. Well, no, they appeared in a playoff spot. Oh, they did. They did. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing scoring. Anyway, they did. They are in a playoff spot for the first time in what feels like years with how they've been days. playing. 104 days. That's crazy. But hey, they're there. They made Th- it back. They're there. And what's interesting to this is that <laughs> this is, a, again, a team... Na- the National Predators playing the Ottawa Senators, and then they played the Columbus Blue Jackets. Teams that... Don't have much to play for right now in terms of lots of injuries. Ottawa just traded away a bunch of players, everything of that sort, where you wanted the Predators to, to dominate a little bit more. But at this point, right, a win's a win, and you exactly. hope that it just builds confidence in this team. Because when you look at the standings, and this is what's so interesting, is that the Predators have four games in hand on the Arizona Coyotes. Four okay. games in hand at this point in the season. It is basically March. And they have yeah. four games in hand. And then they have two games in hand on Calgary, who is two points above them. They have three games in hand on Winnipeg, who is tied with them in points. Okay. It, looking at the standings right now, putting all these games in hand, the Predators, if, for instance, they were to win three out of those four games, would have a solid lock on that first wild card spot. Absolutely. They right aren't now. far off right now at They all. aren't. Now, that's a, th- those are big ifs, and you can exactly. only work in ifs right now. And obviously, the Calgary game tomorrow night, which is Star Wars night, is a very big, important game for the Predators because it's basically a four-point game when we look at the standings. But when we're looking at this and kind of dissecting it is that it shows that the Predators aren't the only team that's been a little up and down this season. Pretty much the entire Pacific has been that way. You've seen St. Louis falter just a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. when they played the Predators four times a season, the St. Louis Blues have faltered a little bit. And Dallas is right on their tails, and then Colorado right behind them. So the top three kind of set right now for the Central, but those two wildcard spots are totally up for grabs. And the Predators right now at a zero goal differential. <laughs> it's better to be in the red. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. It's better to not be in the red than it is to be, you know, just there. But they're six three and one in their last ten games, and they're somehow putting it together. Even though their performances, I know a lot of people wouldn't be overly impressed with. Yep, they're getting those points, and right now that's what matters because as long as you're getting together and it's clicking a little bit. I'm not saying this is a Stanley Cup capable team, but anything can happen in the playoffs. That's what you want to do. And the main goal going into this and going into the trade deadline is this team just wants to make the playoffs. Yes, I know they probably could have traded a couple UFAs and had things come in return. They could have done that. And they maybe could have still made the playoffs with trading some of those assets and getting bigger assets in return, draft pick-wise. But when you look in the mindset of a team, they they want to make the playoffs because they know anything can happen. 
Exactly. And this roster is pretty set. These guys have been together for the most part for years now. And looking at how they've been playing the past couple of months, since Heinz has stepped up, they've been making progress and they aren't totally put together. Their chemistry isn't totally clicking. They're still making simple mistakes, taking these mediocre teams to shootouts, but they are finding ways to win. And that is all that matters when you've been playing awful hockey for the past few months. (laughs) And finally, they're finding a way to get a point, to get two points. And those points are going to add up, especially with those games in hand. With how tight the race is right now, every point is going to matter no matter how it goes. And so the Predators at 70 points, overlooking at the East, which is what's just crazy to me, 70 points would put them four spots out of the playoffs. That's how good the East has really been this year. I mean, Boston at 90 points, that's 20 points above the Preds. That's a yikes. And Tampa at 85 points, Washington at 84. But those are all teams that the Predators, somehow the Predators beat them. It's so odd how they can beat all of these contender teams and then you have mediocre teams and it's like, whoop. There they go. <laughs> and that's why I think tomorrow night's game we'll see more a better effort from the National Predators because it seems like this crew is able to turn it on when they're playing a more competitive team. Exactly. And it's not saying that they decide that in the locker room, yeah, well, boys, we're just going to you know, not play as hard tonight because it's an easy team over there. No, it's a mental thing. And exactly. it happens at every level that it's not necessarily you're undervaluing your opponent. It's how hype are you getting yourself in your head as well before you go out and play the game and what your execution level. And you have a team that loves playing spoiler roles. We know teams that are already out of the playoffs love being a spoiler. They exactly. love being able to kick another team out of the playoffs if they have that opportunity to. And the Ottawa Senators, I mean, they had a player in uh, Matthew Pekka show up the night before, because this is the second game of the back-to-back for them, show up in the middle of the game. Wonderful. <laughs> dressed showed up on the bench. No warm-up, all cold, right from the airport, got on the bench. So they dressed him even though he wasn't even there yet. And so that's the situation for the Ottawa Senators that are a team. They're barely <laughs> right a now. team, but they're a team. They're, they're a team. Kind of. But the Predators got those two points. And so as we look ahead in the schedule, it's obviously not going to get any easier for the National Predators because they have to face Colorado on Saturday night. And that's going to be another one of those matchups that if there was a team in the Central Division that I would not want the Predators to play, it is the Colorado Avalanche. Absolutely. I mean, with the talent that Colorado has and has, wow. That was a the, wonderful yeah, word. Good words, right? Thanks, Calvin. <laughs> Quick on the trigger. <laughs> God. Well, the talent that they have, and they have a lot of chemistry that they can put together, and they can make a run for the playoffs. And looking at how the Preds are a little bit iffy, it's, they played Colorado. And, I mean, we do have Sam Fleming in here, so it would be hey, bad for us to not mention Kale McCarr. Oh. Kale uh, McCarr. Kale, hey, Kale McCarr. With the Colorado Avalanche. And they're just fast. They're a very fast team. Dynamic. That's what makes them scary. Very dynamic. Lots of goal scores. And then next week, Edmonton on a Monday. And then Dallas twice. So it's not an easy schedule coming up for the Predators. But I think something they're very capable of doing, especially when you still have some guys that need to step it up more. And if you get that production from them... Also a healthy Ryan Ellis, as we see, he's fitting right in. He had two points last night. So all those little factors coming in, maybe this is the right time. And like you said earlier, they are playing up or down to their competition, it seems like. So hopefully if they have these tougher games, they'll find that fire in the locker room and put it together. We'll see. So I wanted to address this because it's been a very hot topic. And while it's been a fun story, it's one of those things that has become a topical conversation, which is the e-bug, the emergency backup goalie. So David Ayers, who had a, a tremendous media tour all oh, yeah. around. I mean, he <laughs> met with the commissioner. He was on the, with Colbert. He was on the Today Show, I believe. He's everywhere. Or Good Morning America, sorry. He was everywhere doing all these radio hits, stuff like that. 
and it got people talking about it. I know Christopher T. Versteeg had that one mention about, I don't mean any disrespect, but it's something we need to figure out. And I started thinking a little bit more about this. It's not necessarily that I hate the e-bug situation, the story behind it, because it's a fantastic story. It's more on the fact of, and I think it was uh, on Twitter, 3D Link put this out there about how there should be expect more protection even for the e-bug. I mean, what happens if they really do get injured? You know, they're only yeah. going to get paid $500 and keep the jersey? I mean, I think there's a situation that the league needs to look at now, too, because if this situation is going to happen, yeah, they're more capable of playing as a goalie because they are a goalie. Maybe even if it's in rec league, they play as a goalie compared to a defenseman like Jamie Allison when the Predators had to do that mm-hmm. years ago. More <laughs> capable of playing that position than just putting somebody that plays in the team out there in skates. But there should be some sort of protections because look what happened to Peter Morazic. And what got him injured, for some odd freaking reason, he went out to play the puck and then got ran over. Why the heck he did that, I do not understand. But what happens if that was to occur to the e-bug? No insurance policies, none of that. What happens there? I think that's something the league can look at now to make sure that situation is better covered, just to make sure they're doing it the right way, that it's a situation that they're, they're... they really hash out because, yes, it's a fun story, and I love this story. It was great yeah. to see his wife's reaction with words that we cannot say on air on from Twitter about the whole thing that happened. But it was great to see that and how the team, the Canes, rallied around him. And then it was also really fun to see Steve Dangle's reaction video uh, yep. later that night. <laughs> but not even just the Canes. The entire league was on Twitter going up around him. I mean, the L.A. Kings, everybody was just supporting him, saying, you know, we support Ayers, we support Davey, we're doing this for Davey. Yeah. The Canes came out, Canes came out, wow, I'm awful with words tonight. It's okay. We're struggling. It's okay, it's snowing out. It's okay. It is snowing, that's what it's it is, been, It's cold. been a little weird. But, yeah. but that, and that's the thing, too, and they, they with putting awareness as well, because yeah. he was a kidney tra- transplant recipient. I mean, no so. player should step on the ice without being covered. You never know what could happen. Hockey is a dangerous right. sport. When you think about it, there's full-grown men skating on blades at full force at people. Right. No matter what, it's a dangerous sport. And to have players out there, even if they're only out there for seven minutes, they need to be covered. You never know what could happen. And it's scary. Play, and he played half a game. He did. He played half a game. So I think it's just one of those things to, to look at deeper in terms of what they want to do with the emergency backup situation and make sure that they're covered, that is a legit type of contract, not just like a one-day PTO yeah. that is going on out there, but actually have a better situation set up for these guys. Because if they do have to come in in this type of situation, it is an emergency, but make sure that they're fully covered. And I think the Hurricanes are doing a great job of making sure they invited him down there. They're, they put his jersey on sale, and they're mm-hmm. also splitting the royalty fees with him and making a donation as well for, awesome. for kidney transplant awareness. So, I mean, they handled the situation so, so well, and you can tell those guys rallied around him. But how hilarious was it, though, that he's wearing a Marley's mask that was and so a Canes funny. jersey? And, they, what, and he had, what, a Leaf shirt on? On underneath mm-hmm. that all too can you imagine irony <laughs> I, a little is that bit. what irony is a, a little know? bit a little bit a little kind bit of irony little dramatic bit. irony dramatic irony thanks jonah so it's snowing out it is snowing it is snowing and when we look forward to the summertime we're looking we're looking for a vacation right daniel i kind of want to be by the ocean yeah by the Maybe. ocean you could be on a ship you could be traveling Ooh, yeah. with other hockey having fans. cake by the ocean okay no bad uh, like bad. like no. vanilla cake Okay, vanilla cake. Yeah, that's, that's what better. I meant. Dear God, we've got to have a talk with Jonah off air. Yeah, we do. But we're talking about a hockey fan cruise. Bye, bye, bye! That is amazing! Can that's right. A hockey fan cruise with Penalty Box Radio Ships and Trips Travel and Royal Caribbean sailing out of Galveston, Texas, July 12th to 19th. And hey, we are heading to Cozumel. Costa Maya and Roatan Honduras. Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, is joining us on this cruise, as well as Lindsey Raleigh of Fox Sports and the National Predators. So it's going to be a fun time with cocktail parties, Q&A sessions, trivia nights, and skating on the ship. Yeah, 
Danielle, there. I need to learn how to skate. Yeah. Can we go now? Yeah, there's an ice rink on the ship. We're gonna have three private lessons. All right, I'm there. No, it's not sticking outside. You can't. You can't. You can't go well, outside no. right now. But hockeyfancruise.com. Join us, the Grim Reaper, Stu Grimson, and Lindsey Raleigh, as we take this hockey fan cruise of Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, and Royal Caribbean on the Liberty of the Seas, July 12th to 19th. Book now before March 14th because the rates are got to go up on us. So you need to get in now. That FOMO is going to hit. Okay, up next, we're gonna talk some prep hockey. We have. Sam Fleming and Carter Cranford talk from Franklin High School to talk about the Hind Cup victory that they had just on Monday night here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Hey, this is Pete Weber. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. Penalty Box Radio, Justin Bradford, Jonah Story, Calvin Smith behind the glass. Golly, man. I always bring the slaps. You know it. I know. I know. Absolute bops. Danielle was trying to teach me that dance. You're going to learn before you walk out of this studio. Before what? I have a and hockey you're going to go viral, tonight. Justin. You're going to go viral on TikTok. In a bad way. It's viral. Husky 36-year-old half-Asian male <laughs> tries to learn Renegade. One million Whoa. views is what we're going for. One million? <laughs> She's in Bitcoin? <laughs> My goodness. Okay. Time to talk some prep hockey. We have Sam Fleming, a coach with Franklin Humefog BGA, and Carter Cranford, an assistant captain with the team. They just won the Hind Cup on Monday. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having us, Justin. Absolutely. So, Carter, I want to start with you since you were on the ice there. What what were the emotions? I mean, I know it's one of those things. The Hind Cup is a big deal because the way that Gene Ash works and how they split these teams up halfway through the season, and then you're really just straight on competing the entire way. And so for you guys to have to go to the loser bracket, win two games, you have to force this final game and to do all this, what are the emotions when you're, you guys were able to just seal that victory against JP2? Craziness. Absolute craziness. Um, I know we battled not having all of our players going through this um this playoff push, so it was really hard getting back to that that position that we wanted to be in, that Hind Cup final, where we ended up making it. And all I can say, emotions were running through, and it was absolute craziness. It was just so great to see all the guys come together. Finally, at the uh, at the end, I know I saw like all the happiness on the seniors' face whenever they can raise that cup. You know, it's just a really proud moment for us boys too. You know, coming up next year in a couple of few years, really showing that our hard work has paid off for us and the seniors because I know we had a responsibility to them to help them out too in their final year. And it was just really good to see the team come together. I know this year we stressed the word family. Family was what we really stressed, and we went off on the um, the final the final draw saying family. You know, that's what we were going to do. We were going to do it for family. And everybody came together. That's what we went off on. That's what we started on, family. And that's how it ended up. That's awesome. And, and Sam, we've talked with you plenty before because you are also a PBR member <laughs> with us. So your first year, right, as an assistant coach, what was it like for you to be a part of this, to be part of the family, to help on the bench there and help lead these guys uh, to a victory like that? Well, and before I start talking about that, I've got to give a shout-out to our other three coaches. Of course, Todd Gross, who is the leader of this team as the head coach, and having uh, allowing me to come on as a first-year coach, and then Josh Frizzell and Jack Charles, a former player, all of those guys helped out so much on the defensive side. But just to be a part of this family, and I know a lot of the guys and girls are listening that were on the team, um, it means a lot. And 
we battled so hard throughout this season. We started out a little bit slow our first game. I think Carter can attest to that, and we weren't happy with where we were, but we continued to work hard, and we fought our way back into the hind cup, and you know, we lost to JP2 to go uh, into the loser's bracket, and we were down, I think, 3-1 to one in the second period against the Outlaws. And something just seemed to flip, and as we said, churn those legs, churn it like butter, as we said in the locker room. And we we never stopped and never looked back from there, and our guys and girls gave their best effort throughout this season, and I'm so proud of them for everything they've done. And it means a lot to win the Hind Cup with them because it's a family, exactly like we were saying. Going in on that theme of family, what is it like to have one of the youngest members of that family score the game-winning goal? Well, actually, BJ Hockey, Franklin Hockey, HFA Hockey, we don't look at it as classmen with each other. With this family, we're all together. We're not looking at it as anything. We, um, we're going into that. We put all our confidence in Maddie. We put our confidence in everybody. Everybody's going to go out there, get the job done, and no matter what class you are, if you're playing on that ice, you got heart, and that's what that's what it ended up to be. Absolutely beautiful. And what was it like to see your extended family, all of your extended family, in the stands, reaching in, grabbing the catfish, and throwing that thing down on the ice? What was that like? Well, I'll start and I'll go back to what you were saying about Maddie and the freshman and being a freshman. Uh, he played as an eighth grader last year too, and he really stepped up big time for us this year. But I think all of our guys really did throughout this season and played their best hockey. And he worked really well with Jet Wilson throughout the playoffs. They, I think they combined for something like 26 points uh, throughout the Hind Cup playoffs, but everybody played their part and that's what matters the most. And then when that catfish got thrown on the ice, I'm standing there with a minute and three seconds left. Todd's giving his speech, and all of a sudden, I just see this big old catfish thrown over the glass. And and I've got to give credit to the fans. I mean, where G-Nash hockey has gone, those past two days, Friday and Monday, even NBA and Brentwood, and I've got to give credit to Brentwood and NBA for great seasons, and congrats to Mark Lane and crew on winning the Preds Cup and uh, – a big shout-out to Justin Clark and JP2 as well for a hard-fought season, too. But the Franklin, BGA, and Hume Fogg fans, thank you, because that was awesome. They brought the noise. I think our guys really fed off that crowd, and that was pretty cool. But we just had to stay focused, and luckily we did. Carter put the empty netter in there to seal it, and um, I'm just proud of what our guys did. And also thank you to the fans. Yeah, Carter, your reaction once it because obviously it's a tradition for the Predators, and I got to say too, at the Brentwood games so on Friday, the Brentwood fans threw a lobster on the ice, and then Monday at the Predators Cup, they threw a whole bag of shrimp, something with crustaceans. <laughs> so, but what did it feel like to have that catfish out there to get you guys going? Yeah, no, I I think I was on the ice whenever it happened, and I think I was in a taking an ozone draw, and then I looked back and saw saw a catfish on the ice, and I don't think the refs were too happy about that. Oh. Looked at the. Uh, Looked at the face. Maybe have to talk to Scotty after that one. And see what uh, <laughs> see what his reaction was on that. But I uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Scotty grab that shovel and scoop up a catfish before. So that was pretty funny to see the reaction on his face, and uh, especially not only his face, but looking up at the stands and uh, seeing everybody. I know everybody had that on Snapchat, which just gives a lot more publicity for the team too, which is great. And and what does it feel like? Because I mean, and one of the things we we talk about here is just making sure because a lot of the club sports. Because it's not something that's functioned by the TSSAA. It's on a different level. And so there's so much more work involved at a grassroots level with parents being involved. The students having a lot of pride in these programs, too, because you all help build it. The coaches as well. So much grassroots effort have to be done 
for these programs to be successful. So what does it mean to you just to be a part of a team like this, to be a part of that family, knowing that it's not necessarily always seen by other schools or by school level officials or necessarily school districts and everything as a sport, but the way we saw with the fans coming out there too, it deserves to have more support, deserves to have more money coming in the budget, deserves so much more. So what does it mean to you to have that kind of support? Right. It's it's crazy going out there skating on the ice, especially in warm ups, you know, looking up, seeing all the fans. It just it just really puts a warm feeling in your heart knowing that people are out there, you know, really represent the team, represent their schools and actually care. I mean Hockey down in Nashville is here. It's here. It's going to stay here, and it's going to be here for a while, if not forever. And again, we have Sam Fleming and Carter Cranford with Franklin Humefog BGA. They just won the Hind Cup back on Monday. And Carter, staying with you, too, how did you get your start? When did you start playing hockey, and what got you into the sport? Yeah, so it... um. I started playing hockey when I was about six years old. I started skating, and my cousins actually played up in Ohio. They played hockey, and so I always wanted to be like them and play hockey, and I, I got got the hockey, stuck with it, and um, made a couple travel teams, stuck with it, and just wanted to put the mindset, get better every day, and it'll all pay off. So when you were growing up, who was one of the players you, you idolized or tried to model your game after? Uh, let's see here. Uh, I got to go to James Neal. That's why I wear number 18. All I don't right. know if many people know that, but now they do. All right, well... I hope one day you can sign a contract like that. <laughs> so, in getting going, because it's always just fun to get into a hockey player's mind, too. In in the locker room, are there a certain type of music you listen to? Is it as a team you guys listen to certain types of music? What gets you guys going before a game? Oh, of course. I think... Um you know, I think we all listen to the rap stuff that's all out today. Um, <laughs> that that really gets us going. But um, funny story about the Heinz Cup. We had the uh, speaker, and it was one of our um, one of our teammates' friends, and it uh, it died in the locker room. So we sent a kid out to uh, my buddy Nick Gaka. We sent him out to go. Um, he put on Joey's shoes, and he was going to go back to the car and grab his speaker. And then, about once he got outside, it uh, the speaker magically came back on. So it was pretty funny to <laughs> to hear the speaker come back on, and then Gaka comes back in the room. It's like, wait a minute, speaker's back on. <laughs> so it's just funny to funny to see the boys come together. You know, I think that's just something um, we like to listen to music, maybe get our heads off the uh, off the nerves a little bit of the game and focus on, you know, making the plays. I know the boys start visualizing a lot a long time before. So I think it's all good to just come together as a family and, you know, pick a common song that we like. You know, I know Todd had listened to us, uh, listened to 8 Mile by Eminem and uh, right. Lose Yourself. All right. So that was, uh, that was one of his requests. That's a head nodder right there. You yes, it is. Yes, it head. is. So before we have to go, Sam, because we, we, we've talked so much about just the growth of hockey, and you're a former G-Nash player, uh, you played Junior Predators, you're now coaching everything too. How have you seen high school hockey progress in the Middle Tennessee area, and what more can people, what more can we do to make sure it continues to grow? Just come out and support the teams. I mean, when we had all of our fans there from the three schools, I think somebody tweeted it was the first time a three-team co-op had ever won a trophy in G-Nash, and that's something special because these three teams, Franklin, Hume Fogg, and BGA, have all come together, built a friendship, built a family. And again, if every single school can bring out these student sections to even the regular season games, not just the championship, it means a lot to these guys. And I know Carter, I know all the guys on the team, the seniors especially, I've got to give them a big call out for all their hard work throughout their time, whether it be four years or however long they were part of this program because they put a lot of effort and time into it. But a big thank you to our parents as well um, that have supported us and have run all the stuff behind the scenes. But just for anybody, even if you're an alumni, come out and support. Because when I was playing for Innsworth, we had fans that would come out, but it wasn't anything like that. So um, just come watch this. 
watch G Nash hockey. It's I know people don't think it's like Minnesota where they sell out the XL Energy Center, but come out to Fordyce Center, Bellevue, Antioch, or Centennial Sportsplex and watch these teams play because these guys put on a show and it's the best hockey I think you can see for high school in the area, no doubt. And between the two complexes, there are easily 3,000-plus people between the two, between Centennial and Fortis Center Bellevue. It was standing room only in both facilities, and it was just awesome to see the students come out, to see community members come out, to see parents come out, family members come out. I mean, yeah, we were streaming the games, but people want to go watch it live in action, and that's what's awesome right there, too, because it started making me think of, well, wonder you know, if they charge even a dollar admission. You know what it could do, what one dollar could do to support these club teams like that too, and to help with funding just for equipment, with ice fees, all these types of things too. Just what little a little bit of support can go a long way with making sure these teams stay successful. So, boys, congratulations! Really, really big and proud of you guys, and keep on representing hockey so well in Middle Tennessee. Yep, thanks for having us, Justin. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, Justin. Absolutely. So up next, we're going to continue to talk about developmental growth in hockey, a little bit different ways, with the Jog Showcase director, Joe Caprio, coming up next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. This is Penalty Box Radio. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Danielle Denena sitting in for Glenn Blackwell tonight. Hope you feel better, Glenn. And producer Calvin, behind the glass there, what's the name of that one? Oh, geez. I... Oh, it's oh. Go, go Stupid by NLE Choppa. That's what it is. Yep. Go Stupid? Go Stupid. Yep. It took me a second to remember that. And I don't have my glasses on, so I can't read the computer screen. So, totally off the dome. Wow. Interesting. Well, are your glasses nearby? Yeah, they're just like two feet to my right. It's okay. I'm That's not a, a nerd, so I don't wear glasses, Justin. Nerd. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, excited to have our next guest on because we're going to learn a little bit more about developmental hockey and recruiting, all those things that happen, what, ha- what a hockey showcase is. We have Joe Caprio. He's with the Jog Showcase in Fifth Third Bank Arena up in Chicago. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you having me on, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's one of those things I'm sure plenty of hockey parents know, but a lot of people may not know as they're continuing to dive in and be a bigger hockey fan, or if they have kids maybe just are a little bit younger and out of the right age yet. Let's just start with something simple. What is a hockey showcase? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, Honestly, so a hockey showcase is getting out there and getting your name out there, getting exposure and getting education. Uh, about, you know, whether you're going to play juniors or you're going to go play in college. Um, you know, that's what it is. It's about there going and competing, showcasing your talents, and learning more about the next step, whether it's going to be, like I said, junior hockey or college hockey. And so the one that's coming to Chicago in early April, it's the ACHA Prospect Showcase, so obviously targeting a lot of high school students and those that are getting ready to, to go off and make that decision in the next few years to play college hockey if they want to. And so who is who is targeted by this? Because there's showcases that happen obviously all around the country, but with this one, we'll obviously wanting it to grow. Who's the target audience or who do you want to come to this? And are people, say, from our listening neck of the woods available to come? Yeah, so it's open up to all ages or all ages from 16 and up um, that want to play, you know, in the ACHA, like you mentioned. Um, a lot of people don't know about the ACHA, but the ACHA is a great option to play um, college hockey. There's a lot of Big Ten schools, there's a lot of schools out east, a lot of schools down south. Um, you know, any there's a lot of different options, a lot of different opportunities to play. Um, 
So anyone ages 16 to 21 are eligible um, that are looking to play, and it's you know targeted towards um, any caliber of players. You know, double A, triple A, um, kids that are currently playing junior hockey, or junior hockey, um, high school players. Um, so there's going to be a wide variety of players, and yes, we do have a lot of kids um, coming in from different states. Um, some from down south, some from out east, um, some from the north. Um, coming in to showcase their talents in front of these uh, coaches. Um, we're going to have over 30 coaches here from the ACHA um, and really lo- looking forward to this weekend. And Joe, with these kids who may be interested on the ice, what are some expectations that they should have and how- what are some things that they can do to prepare going down? Uh, yeah, honestly, just be yourself. Um, don't try and do too much and don't try and change your game. Um, how you're going to stand out is playing your game and playing how you know how to play the best. Um, not trying to do too much, not staying out there too long, not not trying to toe drag or do a bunch of dangles and getting a puck taken away. It's playing simple, playing hard, and playing fast and making plays. Um, you know, some there might be a big hit. You know, if you have a big hit or score a nice goal, obviously that always helps. But doing the simple things, working hard, and playing the right right way. Looks like we uh, might have lost Joe there. We'll try to get him back on the line, learning about showcases and everything. And so there are showcases, Daniel, that happen just all throughout, and it's great opportunities for people to learn, not just students and student-athletes, but for parents to learn about what the next step could be for their child and learn about future programs. And so I know there's there's a great one, Elite Edge, happens down here. Uh, There's all different kinds of showcases. And so I'm going to be heading up to the JOG Showcase in Chicago for the SCCHC because we have 17 schools next season. So it's a great great opportunity to continue to grow our conference and make sure a lot of these kids know that, hey – you can play college hockey, and if you're interested in any of these 17 schools in our conference... Hey, you have down, your options. Yeah, down in the southeast, you have your options, and so we're going to go the prepared with information on all 17 of the schools, what the requirements are academically, what mm-hmm. you know, ACT scores, what does that have to be, all these different types of things for requirements for admissions, and so it's a great opportunity there just for them to learn about what their next steps are, because I'm sure a lot of these kids, they want to be able to play college hockey, but... Most of them probably know they are probably not going to turn pro. Yeah. Like it's and that's understandable as well. But they want to be able to continue to play and represent their school and things like that. So looks like we do have Joe back on the line. Joe, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. I don't know what happened, but all good now. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I know Danielle had another question for you. And with Go these ahead. showcases, it's obviously important to push the on the ice aspect. But is there any sort of enforcement with academics or education on you know how important the hockey is, but also how important it is academically? Yes, so that's one of the big uh, proponents of our showcase. Uh, we do have a coaches panel, and with that coaches panel, each uh, coach not only talks about his pr- uh, program on the ice, but he talks about what it takes to be a student athlete and what it takes uh, academically to not only get into their school, but to maintain maintain a GPA and maintain uh, eligibility for the ACHA. And so, again, Joe Capri with uh, the JOG Showcase, so it's coming to Fifth Third Arena in Chicago in April. So, Joe, for a lot of people, especially parents maybe listening that have kids that maybe are just a little younger and they haven't participated in showcases yet, what exactly is going to go down on the ice? Like, what's the format of this showcase? And I guess a lot of showcases are fairly similar, but of this showcase, what is the format going to be over the weekend? Yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of showcases are fairly similar. Um, the way we have it structured is 
um, something that we talked with coaches and scouts about, um, and it's something that we think that can identify uh, players that will play at that level. Um, so Friday night um, there will be a goalie session for all the goalies that are going to be involved in the showcase, and then after the goalie session each team will get a practice led by the ACHA coaches. Um, the coaches are still yet to be determined, um, but we're working on that, and there will be multiple coaches out there during the practice. Then um, Saturday morning, uh, we'll, we'll roll right in the game. So um, there'll be a game Saturday morning, game Saturday night, and then a game Sunday morning. And then in between those games on Saturday, um, there'll be, like I said, the coaches panel where um, kids are welcome to attend, parents are also welcome to attend, and the coaches are going to talk about their school academically and uh, athletically, and then they're going to open up the questions and answers from the parents and players because um, ultimately, you know, they can only talk for so long being having 30 schools there and, you know, everyone's everyone's questions may be different. Um, but, yeah, so three games, a practice, and then the, uh, co- the coaches panel. And, Joe, with the growth of conferences like the SEC and just the ACHA in general, have you seen a lot of growth just in the conference? And what is the turnout going to be like this year? What do you think it's going to what do you think it's going to look like? Let's see. Yeah. Uh, so, like, we started it last year. Um, we kind of just, on a whim, I, I started it. Um, we had expectations, but um, we were kind of, we had, we, what happened was we ended up getting 53 skaters and 12 goalies. So, um, it kind of su- succeeded expectations. Um, this year, we're already past those numbers. Uh, we, I was able to expand to two, two more teams. So, I have six teams total. Um, I'm sold out on goalies already. I have 18 goalies attending the showcase, and I have 65 skaters currently signed up. Um, so we're looking for about 20 to 25 more skaters to round out those rosters. Uh, but obviously that just is a testament to the growth of the ACHA and people learning about the ACHA and uh, ACHA doing things like, like this showcase and other showcases to help promote their league and their, and their name. And I think you kind of make a great segue there. How can people learn more about this? And if they have a student they want to take up there uh, come April, how can they get involved and, and make sure that they can get seen? Yeah, uh, the best way to, to go about it and find out more information um, is to contact me. Um, if you go on fifththirdarena.com um, and under the our camps and clinics page, um, you, there will be the page for Jog Athletic College Prospects Weekend. And then um, you can always shoot me an email or give me a phone call. Um, my email and phone call, phone number are on the website. Um, but, yeah. Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks so much for that information and just giving us some insight onto what a showcase is. Because, again, I think there are some people out there that may have youngsters that are playing in mites or something that may not know what they are. And then they want to make sure their kid gets seen so they have more opportunities. Got to get them to showcases. Yeah, and, you know, obviously there's there's never any rush to the showcase, and, you know, there, there's a lot of showcases out there that are money grabbers. Mm-hmm. Um, this showcase is really to educate and uh, inform kids and help them get be seen and move on to the next level. Which is absolutely awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much, and, hey, look forward to seeing you in about six weeks. <laughs> yep, see you soon. All right, that was Joe Capri with the Jog Showcase taking place up in Chicago. You can find more information at fifththirdarena.com for that. I'm really looking forward to it. And like you said, too, showcases that are helping to educate is, is what's very important. It's not just getting them on the ice. Exactly. It's taking them out of the ice, talking to coaches, talking about what it is to be a college hockey player, whether it's ACHA or other things as well, because there's some showcases focused on even younger kids so they can get seen and scouted as well, but just to understand and to inform parents and the student-athletes 
what their future could look like, why it's important to keep your grades up, what the academic requirements are, all these types of things that isn't always necessarily communicated that well to them in other aspects. So it's a great opportunity there for it as well. And just love that they focus on the education aspect because there's some great showcases too that focus on how to be, how to eat healthy as a student athlete, the types of warms you could be doing, yoga, all these different types of things as well that are helping them become a better student athlete. So I love that. And ACHA, we know it's club hockey, but when you experience the games or you're a player in between the benches, you're treated like a college athlete and it feels like a real college atmosphere. So it's great to get these guys up there and girls up there just so that they can be educated and know what they're expecting. They know they can't play in CAA, but there's also another option out there that in my opinion is equally as fun to experience. It's a lot of fun and just hopefully we can continue to educate people on it. Okay. Up next, we have some really fun Twitter questions that we're going to answer. That's up next. You're on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. This is Philip Forsberg. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Danielle Danana, Jonah Story who is really loving the jam. Jonah, that was intense. <laughs> Cal Smith behind the glass. Whew, Jonah. That was intense, but it was a good time. You should try turning on your mic first. <laughs> that was intense, but it was a good time, I'll tell you that. Oh, boy, we struggle busting. We are struggle busting. Okay, let's get to our Twitter questions here. This one comes from Alex. Since neither were traded, do Smith and Glenlin resign? And if so, how can the Preds squeeze that in with not much cap space? I think it's one of the two. <laughs> I agree. I think that Granlin right now has a hot hand with with Heinz's coach. So as of this moment, if they had to resign tomorrow, I would vote on resigning Granlin. But we'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out, and if they do make a playoff run, and what the cap space looks like at the end of that playoff run, go from there. Well, and here's the thing too that would be the case from Mikael Granlin is that he is younger by two years. So yep. he is 28, whereas Craig Smith is 30. I think that's just one of the yeah two years, but. With longer contracts, it makes a difference. Now, apparently, Craig Smith obviously wants to stay in Nashville, so we'll see what yeah. happens there. And they, neither of them were traded, uh, but it's going to be really tough. Especially, you're going to have what a two million dollar hit with Rocco Grimaldi yep. coming on next season as well. So, just less cap space going to be available for both of them. I feel like uh, with Craig Smith being a guy that's been in Nashville all of his career, I feel like he would take a cheaper price to stay here. He might, but, he might. I, but I doubt it just because he's going to get his 20 goals again. When you have that many years of 20 goals guaranteed, it is really tough to get a guy to take a discount when he knows he can make some more elsewhere. But again, if he wants to stay here and play here, I'm sure David Poyle would love to have him stay if he's willing to take maybe the same. But oh yeah, but with the way the league is going, right, he's due a raise. He is due a, a raise. slight raise. Maybe one mil, but still that's going to be tough to fit in. He's one of the most consistent, streaky players, in my opinion. Consistent, streaky is a great exactly way to put it. That's exactly what he is. That's a, okay, I'm going to have fun with this one. This one's from Johnny. Answering the trending question today, what sports tweet would you tweet out that would tell your followers you're in distress? Ooh. Yeah. Probably, I wish Brad Marchand would come to Nashville. <laughs> if you guys ever see me tweet positive about Brad Marchand, I'm probably dying. Just know that. Okay, Jonah, what you got? The Bears are who we thought they were. Oh, my goodness. Mine would be, I love sandbaggers in beer league hockey. <laughs> well. That would be, be mine. I got you. That would be mine. Y'all don't get it. 
Sam over here gets it. Sam's excited over there. Yeah. <laughs> what is a it. sandbagger? I'm just curious. A cheater. <laughs> so why is it a sandbagger and not a cheater? What's like, is, there a, is, there like a, is there a difference? There's a slight difference because... A connotative the, difference there? Yes, because they're playing usually in a couple leagues down from where they should be playing and thinking they can oh, play, okay. you know, they're, they're playing against beginners, but yeah. then they're a guy that belongs like two leagues up. I experienced the same thing in flag football at MTSU, so those people are the worst. Yeah, they're the, like, how is it fun? I, I'm just trying to have fun, okay? Run right. some go routes, burn some dudes. My <laughs> athletic level, guys. <laughs> Run some go routes. I know you played Juco football or whatever. You don't right, need to play right. on the same field as me. Hot route, hot <laughs> route. <laughs> Yes. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> and then that one guy that tries to run a jet sweep in flag football, and then it turns oh, yeah. into some weird trick play. Oh Never works. Gosh. Absolutely does not work. <laughs> but seriously, that that is that would be my thing because of that reason. And I know we got a whole Twitter spat with people that were whining about it. It's like you're literally whining because you won. You won with guys that don't belong, and you're complaining that we lost? I don't get it. People are weird. But those, those would be our things. Okay, back to our questions. This one comes from Boyd. Will we finally see the Predators show up for a game with some real stakes? Well, Boyd, I think every game from here on out has had real stakes to it because that's just the way it is where every point matters. Now, I think what he means by that is, for instance, like against the Flames, against the mm-hmm. Avalanche, are they going to show up? I think you do because we talked about it before. They tend to be showing up right now for those games where they're playing to their competition a little bit more. And again, that's a mental thing. That is totally a mental thing. And so I expect a tough game from the Natural Predators against the Calgary Flames and Johnny Goudreau, who just had to pee and did not get (laughs) traded. So so I think that's what we're going to see a little bit more tomorrow. And even against Colorado is that as Hines is instilling his system and they're being they're holding themselves a little more accountable, you can tell. And as long as you don't have an awful second period or a repeat of the Halloween game oh, no. against the Flames, then I think they'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. And like you said earlier, they're 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. So they're not playing awful hockey. They are picking it up under Hines a little bit. So on that upward slope there, I hope they step up. We'll see. Okay. This one this will be fun. John, I want you to make sure you answer this one too. This one comes from Tyler. Of the four most likely possible first-round matchups, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Vancouver, doesn't it seem like the best-case scenario for the Preds is that St. Louis holds on and wind up as a wild card, too? Well, I, I kind of addressed this in the first one, but the team I would not want them to play is Colorado. Colorado. Not Colorado. St. Louis would be scary now because the Predators owned them in the regular season. You sometimes see that flipped. They're out for blood. <laughs> in, the, in the playoffs. Uh, Vegas would be detrimental to everyone's livers. Oh, no. <laughs> Just because of a matchup of a potential seven-game series between Vegas and Nashville, between the partying that goes on, that would just be brutal. And also long flights. Vancouver could be fun as well. Vancouver's an, a fun young team to watch as well, but they also have some injury issues going on now too. So I would say St. Louis would be the preferred candidate because that would be a fun storyline uh, as well. Extremely. Uh, Vegas has had some other issues, but just not Colorado. Not Colorado, period. For nope. Me. Not McCarr, not McKinnon. Nope. None of them. Nope. Sam, I'm sorry. Don't hate me. <laughs> Jonah. None of that Gerard either. But honestly, it would be really cool to see uh, the Preds and the Vancouver Canucks. Again, you know, you yeah. would draw back to the good old days <laughs> when Matthew Halachuk was on the Preds. Oh, boy. What a – what a whew, love it, man. It would be really cool reference. to see that and to actually see the Preds win. Right. Well, the days of Halachuk and uh, Smithson <laughs> getting some meaningful goals there, right? 
Okay, this one comes from Jeffrey. In your opinion, what has been the most evident effect of the coaching change, and how has that affected your views of Hines? I think just a little bit has been we've seen a little bit more action on the power play. And he actually addressed this last night, too. He even talked about positioning. He's like, they were running a 1-3-1 still. They were running a 1-3-1 before, but we want more movement. What I've liked about John Hines is not necessarily the effect that he's had on the ice, but more than how he is addressing the media per se, that he's giving more insight into what they're doing because it's not give, it's not showing his hand. It's that it's actually answering questions and giving us information when asked about it. There's some things where, yeah, maybe he doesn't have much to say, but he's answering questions and doing a fairly good job of that. And just little things, I think, too, is trying to instill the mental fortitude in these players. And you can't do that overnight. That's why I keep saying it would be great to see what he's capable of doing fresh off a training camp so it's not even going to count this year because he's already instilling some of the systems but if he started out fresh beginning of a season what he could do with his systems in place because he has been known as a developer he can develop players hopefully so we'll see that as it goes along it's still so soon to tell because you can only do so much in so little bit of time but that's one of my main takeaways just as a media member is that just the way he answers questions and is willing to talk about those things as well exactly and building off of that from what he says to media and how he answers questions, it seems like he forms connections individually with players. He doesn't see them as, oh, you're number 15, you're a forward, you're a goalie. He sees them as people, and he looks for ways to light their fire individually, and that's what makes for a better team. And that's something that I've kind of inferred. I could be totally wrong there. You never know. <laughs> but that's just something that I picked up with the way that he handles media and he holds himself. He always has something to say about each player that's positive, and he always finds a way to lift them up. But he's also honest, and that's something that I really like about him. And he was honest about Ryan Johansson. Extremely honest. He has to earn it. Some real confident boosters I believe he is doing to the club is giving guys like Colin Blackwell a shot. And the way that he repaid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Colin Blackwell stepped up, and the way John Hines addressed Colin Blackwell last night when asked was that he's a player that's tough to play against, and that's he's at the top of the list. Is what he said. He, at the top of the list is Colin Blackwell, players that are, the, are tough to play against, and that's what you want. And he was rewarded with a goal. He was rewarded with a little more ice time as well. He's rewarded with playing as well because he was scratched for a while too. So really good point bringing up Blackwell because, yeah, he's trying to reward players and to make other players have to earn it because we were seeing Johansson's time drop. We saw exactly. this game where Forsberg's time dropped. Uh, Arvidsson missed some shifts. We don't know if it was because he was sore or whatnot, but you can tell he's trying to reward players and so we'll just see how this trend continues on through the rest of the season but really good point jonah really good point there okay i do want to bring before we have to go uh do either of you know what the preds victory song is in the locker room after I games have no idea uh it's live in la vida loca by the way <laughs> that's fancy do, do you know that song Daniel? i don't but i like the oh title. live in la vida loca <laughs> it's in truck too I haven't seen Shrek since I was probably eight years old. Of all references, I'm giving Calvin time to potentially find it. (laughs) Calvin, you got a minute. Yeah. He's finding living La Vida Loca. We have one more question. So this one comes from Dennis. If someone were to kidnap R2 PBR, which is my droid that I made at Disney, uh, how much ransom would you pay to get it back? Sucker, no one's stealing that. He would sell me. No. no, (laughs) I would say. No one's stealing it. I would say 1,500 francs. Francs, yes, fifteen hundred francs or R two PBR, because what if, is your reasoning? If Cosette in Les Misérables is worth fifteen hundred francs, Did you say Les Misérables Calvin, hit the air horn. <laughs> Thank you, Les Misérables. Yes, I was I was Tenadia, just a simple plug, but I think it should be fifteen hundred francs. So weird. I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say. Did you find the song by any chance? I found the Shrek version. That's fine. Hit me with it. (laughs) 
Isn't we supposed to be having a fiesta? Uno, dos, cuatro, hit it! <laughs> oh my goodness. I wonder who picked that. Who picked that? Which one of the Preds? See? Yeah, I see. I know it now. You, you remember this? Ricky Martin, you. Before Your Time? That is the Preds' victory song that we walk into the locker room here and blasting. Every every time it's something different, but the past couple games, past couple wins, that's what it's been. Interesting. So, yeah. Living la vida loca. Living la vida loca. Kennedy? Okay. Your mic's not working, by the way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Kennedy really wanted to say something. What you got? Okay, so when I was like two years old, my dad got this... 66 actually no it was a newer lexus for my mom and my sister and i had just heard the story from my mom she just got back from las vegas talking about her seeing ricky martin and oh that he gosh. tap danced on the hood of a car <laughs> so at you two, did not do this did you? i 100 percent tap dance on the hood of my mom's brand new lexus Oh, boy. Savage. My dad had to turn it into insurance for as hail, hail damage. damage. Hail damage, yes! Yes. <laughs> so, note to self, don't tap dance on the hood of a car because Ricky Martin did. I was planning on it. If you missed any Dang tonight's it. show, you can go to <laughs> com. Big thanks to Sam Fleming and Carter Cranford. <laughs> and big congratulations to him in the Hind Cup and to Joe Caprio with Fifth Third Arena for <laughs> own a story, Daniel Donata, and hey, Kenny D. Kemp, on air, and producer Calvin Smith. This is Justin Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Boxer to here on ESPN 1025 The Game. She's a, she's a